I'm tired of looking backwards of where we've been. Sounds like the Fed. When we went from seven to eight percent, five million borrowers across the United States could no longer afford a home. But now that we're going the other direction, when you go from eight to six and a half percent, now we're adding Americans that are able to afford a home. So either rates come down sooner rather than later, or there will be problems in the economy. I really strongly believe that we'll see interest rates go down to that next level and that's six to six and a half percent. Into the year, we're gonna see probably a five handle in interest rate. Over the last six to eight weeks, we've seen mortgage rates drop one and a half percent, bringing affordability to an additional seven to eight million Americans. Today, we have a conversation with Stephen Thomas at Reports on Housing. He pulls data directly from the MLS throughout Western US housing markets to give us great insights into what is happening in real time. This high frequency data is telling us what is happening in terms of home prices, sales volume, and what we're likely to see throughout next year. The good news is he sees an improving picture. If you're thinking of buying, selling, or just want to know what's going on with the market, join us today. This is The Educated Home Buyer. Everything you need to know to buy right, borrow smart, and build wealth through real estate ownership. Stephen, we've had a number of experts here on the show recently, and they're all folks that we rely on their data. There's something unique about your analysis and your data relative to those, because almost all of the things that they're looking at are public data sources. Your tool pulls the data from the multiple listing service. So semi-private data, some people have access to it, but not everyone. How do you think that benefits professionals relying on your data and their clients? Yeah, so I, I've enjoyed the ability to, to utilize this data for years. And really what it does is it gives us a opportunity to look through the windshield of the real estate market. So we could see exactly what's going on and where we're headed, what the exact speed of the market is. So many people rely on closed sales data everybody can get that and that just doesn't tell a complete picture that gives you kind of where we've been and i'm tired of looking backwards of where we've been sounds like the fed let's look forward and look into the future as to where we're going based upon where are how supply changing and how is pending sales velocity changing that's super important to us so it really gives you a a window into what's going on in the broader, more macro market of the county down to the city level. And people want to parse that data even further, but you really can't because then you get to too few numbers of homes on the market and pending sales where it doesn't really tell you an accurate picture. So we take it and get as accurate a picture as possible and then get that to everybody that subscribes so that they can make good decisions based upon what's the current market dynamics. Most economic reports either come out monthly or quarterly. You do the monthly report, but how often are, are you looking and pulling the data? Do you compile once a month or do you look at it more frequently than that? Well, let's just say I'm a nerd, love my numbers. So I'm looking at it every single week, but our reports come out every other week for a reason. You have to pull the data like a very similar time of the week. We picked Thursdays. Other people would like to say Wednesdays is it. We've been doing Thursdays since the beginning of time. I've started this in 2004, and that's when the data looks really good. So it comes out every two weeks, which means that there are a couple months where it comes out three times in a month because there's 26 data pools 
that, that we do. And in doing that, you're looking at the same year over year statistics based upon the day of the week. And it really gives an accurate reflection. In the middle of the week, by the time you get Wednesday, Thursday, everybody needs to be in the multiple listing service to get shown over the weekend, or it needs to be pending sat status so that it's not shown over the weekends. And that's why the data looks really good in the middle of the week, not the first and 15th of every month or a certain date, we pull it regularly like that. And then it gives us this real beautiful line that we can follow and kind of tell where we're at right now and where we're going. Nice. So Steven, we've been dealing with inventory problems for the better part of three years. One nice thing about reports on housing is that you always go back and show what more normal numbers look like 2019 prior to the craziness of the pandemic. And so since then, we've been dealing with historic lows. You often reference the lowest level since they started keeping track of these numbers. Now with that, there's this belief out there that lower rates don't necessarily add more inventory to the market because the people that are putting their homes in the market and essentially giving up their current low interest rate are, are buying another home. So they're putting one on, taking one off and not really allowing inventory to grow in a meaningful way. Because my belief is that in order for prices to change, for things to change in the market, you need more inventory for one, but you need inventory on the market, staying on the market for an extended period of time in order for things to normalize for all of those people wanting to see a change in, in prices. So my question to you is, as we move into 2024, I think the belief is that rates are, are, are going to trend lower. How much lower? It's hard to know. But with that, where do you see inventory going? Because we know that the spring, we always see this little bump in inventory. And then the summer, it, it starts to peak. And then towards the fall, it, we get into the market that we're in right now. But what, what do you see for 2024 on inventory level? Yeah, let me back up first. I'll answer that. But backing up to where the inventory problem originated from, we had 4 million homes across the United States during the Great Recession. Actually, the buildup happened before that. We saw it as early as the fall of 2005. And then 2006, it was starting to get off the charts as far as inventory buildup. And then we got to 4 million homes. And then now we're dealing with like 1,150,000 homes. Dodd-Frank, that bill is what I blame for our inventory issue, probably one of the biggest issues, also not building enough homes. But in 2010, that's when Dodd-Frank was adopted. And from that point on, really the lending atmosphere got extremely tight and then adjustable rate mortgages just totally went out the window. They were gone completely. Uh, now you have to put it in like font size 100, what your payment's going to be and what it can adjust to. And anybody in their right mind is going to look at what it can adjust to and say, you know what, no way am I doing that to my family. So adjustable rate mortgages just don't exist today. And I'm not talking about, yeah, they exist fixed for three or five or seven. I'm talking about the ones that were connected to a, an index like a LIBOR back in the day, and it used to change on a monthly basis and sometimes it would spike and all of a sudden you have a high payment. So those don't even exist. So people are in these long-term fixed low rate mortgages for a very long time. So we were drilling down the inventory every year from about 2010 all the way till we got to January of 2020, the lowest number of homes available ever in January, 2020. If you look at that, that was going from NAR's data all the way back to 1983. We had uh, way a larger population in 2000 than we did in 1983, yet it was the lowest start of the year ever going back to 1983. And then COVID hit and made everything worse. So that's where we've been. We've been stuck in these really low levels. And as far as everything we can see is, I just don't see where we're going to be able to build the inventory. You bring down rates. 
which is what we're projecting to happen in 2024. And uh, we got an early holiday Christmas gift this year. Yeah, and that was yeah, a giant drop in rates just recently. Thanks to the Fed finally capitulating a little bit. And we got to the point where it's starting to juice demand. And then you look uh, forward to next year, you're seeing rates definitely, pathways for them to go down even further. What that will do is that will increase demand initially because there's already Gen X and Gen Y that wants to purchase. They're rooting for a crash. We all saw those articles where more than 50% want to see it crash. But what they got is they're getting this big crash in rates, which is what they really should be rooting for. And that's the pathway for them to get into housing because people aren't going to give up their low rate mortgages. There's going to be no crash. We need inventory for that to happen. So as rates come down, we're going to see Gen X and Gen Y just jump into the market more and more. And yes, we will eventually get more homes that come on the market, but you're right. A lot of them become buyers. Even if they don't become buyers down the road, the demand increase will outpace the number of homes coming on the market. So we're just going to be back to that same problem that we had during COVID 2020, second half of 2021 and first half of 2022, two years of the craziest, most insane market. That's the pathway where we're headed. And people say that I'm a cheerleader rooting for something like that. Heck no, that's so unhealthy, but that's the reality of it. I'm for setting expectations and that's what we can expect. We got some surprising data this morning in that November's uh, total sales numbers came out at 3.82 million for a seasonally adjusted annualized rate. That was up 3.79 million the prior month. So still very low levels, a very small improvement, but most of those closings were put under contract when we were at or near that peak, seven and a half, seven and three quarters, 8% in interest rate. With your data being more high frequency than that, have you seen any impact yet from the big drop in rates that we've seen, almost a percent and a half in, in the last six, eight weeks. Yeah, it's fascinating because being in, in my vantage point, I'm able to see it. Uh, there aren't as many people, there aren't as many ears listening to it right now because of the holidays, but uh, we're definitely seeing the impact in uh, rates dropping. I could see demand in some markets actually went up. Uh, like San Diego County actually has more demand than it did two weeks prior. That's not normal during this time of the year. Normally we're dropping because there are fewer homes coming on the market. The fewest homes come on the market in December, second fewest in November. So if you have very few coming on, you have a lot of cancellations of people that were overzealous that are coming down. But there are some people that were overzealous and yet they can't, they might have done their price reduction and they felt like they missed out. And then uh, what I've already heard is multiple offer situation and getting uh, a bid back up right to where they were price-wise prior to the price reduction. It's such a short period of time to see this kind of an impact, but I've seen it. It was such a big impact in, in a rate drop that it's just kind of like foreshadowing what the start of 2024 is going to be. And it's we're already seeing it. It's going to be and pretty it, we had this last year, right at the beginning of the year. Into February, rates did. People forget because they remember the part where we peaked up near 8%, but we were just a tick under 6%, 599 for a week or so in February. And we saw increase in applications, great. increase in stuff going under contract, right? Yeah, it was 5.99 for one day. February 2nd, <laughs> like someone was calling us, February 2nd at 2 o'clock, it was 5.99%. And then the very next day was the, the job report. Jobs report came out because it was Jobs Friday. And jobs report came out for January and it was over 500,000 jobs that were created. And it was way larger. It was like over 250,000 higher than what anybody had anticipated. And it sent the 10-year bonds as well as 30-year mortgage rates just pumping up higher. 
and, and until we broke the regional banking late, later on with that giant jump. From what you mentioned a moment ago, probably going to have a stronger housing market in 2024 than 2023, just based on lower rates, a little bit more demand, more transactions taking place. With that, affordability in California, uh, the latest report that came from California Association of Realtors, we're sitting at around 15%. So 15% of Californians can afford to buy the median priced home. And that's when rates were in the sevens. Now rates are a little bit lower, so affordability has improved a little bit. But how does that play into your thoughts on where home prices can go? Like you say, supply and demand, right? It always comes back to supply and demand, but at some point you're losing able buyers. Everybody wants to own a home, but there's only so many people that are able to do it. So with prices continuing to rise, because it sounds like that's probably where we're headed, how will that impact affordability? And what does that look like maybe two, three years down the road? Yeah. When we went from seven to 8%, 5 million borrowers across the United States could no longer afford a home. And you can imagine we went from three and a quarter back in January of uh, 2022, all the way up to 8% where we just were in October. And that is such a giant gap. And that's millions of Americans that can no longer afford a home. But now that we're going the other direction, when you go from eight practically six and a half percent. Now we're adding Americans that are able to afford a home. As the Federal Reserve stops poking around with inflation because it's going to come down, once it starts to come down, they're going to have to, and they've already alluded to it, that's what they talked about the last week, is that interest rates need to probably come down more because they're too restrictive right now. When you have inflation that comes down into the twos and you have the short-term rate that they control Federal Reserve all the way up five and a half, that gap is so large that they're going to cause problems in the economy. Economy. And we can already see it. It's coming. So either rates come down sooner rather than later, or there will be problems in the economy, which is what everybody's afraid of, that the Fed will be slow and old and not react like they should. But as these rates come down to where they should be, now keep in mind where rates are today, we talked about they're actually 6.65%. They should be a percent lower than where they are today because the, the spread on average is 1.75 above the 10 year. And right now it's way higher. It got up as much as three above the, the 10 year. So right now it's come down a little bit, but now this is going to squeeze tighter as soon as we have inflation going where it's, it's supposed to be. And there's a, a lot less uncertainty in the market because there's so much uncertainty and everybody has their own guess as to what happens. Once all that guesswork goes away, that's when that spread's going to shrink because interest rates should probably be about five and a half today. And you can imagine, even if we get down towards that 5.9, which is where we can end up next year, it can still come down another percent and the 10 year does nothing. And that's when we have less volatility in the market. Now you're at 4.9%. Now you can see where the rates are at. Rates have come down to help a lot of Americans afford a home. It's down the road type of thing. Uh, that's why I still say get into it now. Know that down the road that you'll be able to uh, refinance. But exactly when that's going to happen, who knows? Uh, but that is down the road. Also, wages will continue to go up. That's the other thing I see happening. The last one, values going down, just don't see it happening. We've already talked about it. Supply and demand issue. There's been a supply problem, and I don't see where we're going to get this sudden supply. I just don't see it because people are way too cash rich in their houses. We have equity rich, 50% uh, plus equity, highest ever of all time. The homeowner across the United States is way too strong. People get into a pinch. What can they do? They can actually rent out their house and go rent something else. 
because many of them are cash flow positive if they were to turn around and rent out their property. So I just don't see where we're going to get this mass number of homes to have any kind of a real decline to meet what we're talking about, making it more affordable for people. So we just need to see rates come down and incomes go up. On that side, you have some interesting data. When you look at the, the national data, very few markets had any type of significant dip. Austin is mentioned as one. You don't cover that area. The Bay Area did have an 8 to 10% drop in prices. Now that you guys have expanded and have been looking at that data, does that tell you anything about what was unique about that market or some of these other markets that did experience a little bit of a correction and what that might tell us about any future markets? We hear this all the time. We do a live show. Jeb and I do every Wednesday. People say, well, in my area, I'm in San Jose and prices are down 8% year over year and it's going to go further. We're in line with you that the data is not supporting that, but anything that you can glean from having expanded to the Bay Area and seen a little bit of that data over the last year or two? Yeah, we're actually going to be expanding San Jose as well. San Jose, they're actually, they're fine. <laughs> the Bay Area, what a lot of people say, Bay Area, San Francisco County, tiny. Making that of the big giant, oh, look what's happening on the West Coast. It's the one little area which has its own issues all by itself with a lot of people leaving the city. A lot of uh, companies leaving the city. So they have their own issues on top of it. But even they stabilized this year and values were pumping up. But San Jose is a different story. They were going up at a pretty good clip. I say they mirror uh, a lot of what, what's happening right here in, in SoCal. And we track nine counties in the Bay Area. And there's only one that is the, the one that is performing the worst. And that is San Francisco. And then you got some of these other ones, they have their inland empire, kind of like the way we have our inland empires, San Bernardino, Riverside, they've got theirs as well. And they have a bigger issue when we get to 8% interest rates. But now that interest rates have come back down, we're seeing that market materially change, which sets up for a 2024 where they'll bob around in price, but they're going to head up uh, based upon where things are right now. So Bay Area is, is really just San Francisco, and we got to say that. People say Bay Area all the time. It's not true. It's just that little city right there at the Bay. Well, the reality is if it makes a, a good headline, that's what's used, right? And people often read the headline and don't dive into what the actual data says, the context of that information. So, hey, the Bay Area is down 8%. That's easy to say versus, hey, it's this small little pocket out there. But with that, a lot of high-priced homes in that market, a lot like Orange County. So Orange County, where we're located, Josh and I here, you are as well, a third of our, our inventory on the market at the moment, or pretty much any given time of the year, I think you could probably better say if that's accurate or not, but at the moment, about a third of our inventory, 35% or so, is listing sitting above $2 million in a county of 3.3 million people. So we've got on average about 2,000 homes available, which means once you factor that out, you're left with a really small number of homes, about 1,200, 1,300 homes on the market available at this time. So it's a problem in many ways because that is the price point, you know, under 1.2 million or so, I think is probably the most competitive price point. And we have the majority of our inventory sitting at or below that number. So that tells me that as interest rates go lower, that price point's going to get more competitive. And for first-time homebuyers out there, it's not going to be easy. It's going to be a competitive market. And I think like you said a moment ago, we often get called being cheerleaders of the market when in fact, we're just trying to say, hey, this is what's going on. You mm -hmm. can choose to participate. You can choose to sit on the sidelines. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter, but you need to be informed when you're making offers. So 
Do you see that lower? I say lower. People are watching this from other parts of the country going, you guys are crazy at, at a million bucks saying lower, but at a million under one, two, is that going to be the craziness that we've seen over the last couple of years? Actually, it's going to be anything below 2 million for us. And so that you could think we're crazy across the United States, but everybody knows what their sweet spots are. The sweet spot for us is 752 million detached, almost doesn't exist. So if you're going to, if you're even looking today for 752 million, good luck. And you guys know what that is across the United States. It might be the three to five or everybody knows kind of what we're talking about. We might be talking bigger numbers, but the bottom line remains that we're just not going to have enough properties. And it's very reminiscent of for Orange County specifically, it's going to be the lowest number besides the beginning of last year, 2022. We only had 965 homes on the market January 1st of 2022. It's an all-time low. I didn't even think you could get that low because if you factor out luxury, like what you're talking about, you're talking about like 600 houses. That's it. Like I live in, it's not that small of a community in Ladera Ranch, but it's its own little community. And there was three homes on the market in Ranch Santa Margarita, three homes, Lisa Vale, three homes. You see, and that's like nine homes in three quite significant sized communities. So that's just not enough. And that's what we're going to be dealing with next year. And I do not see this pathway out of it unless interest rates go higher. So if that's what people are rooting for to slow down our market to become more of a buyer's market that's not going to happen because that keeps people in their houses so i just don't see a solution to this so you just need to be prepared that it's going to be hard to find a home it's going to be you go to an open house people i've seen the agents take a picture of the big long line of people waiting outside the, the door to get in and then come in and then offer on tuesday and they're one of 20 offers that come in and then it's like groundhog's day you get to get, get to do that again next weekend on the podcast and on the live show, our audience is primarily first time buyers, more on that entry level, the part where is there's more demand. So we always tell people, Jeb and I are best and most well-versed in Southern California, West Coast data. The further you get away, all real estate is local. The Northeast has performed very different than the South. You just pointed out something very important is you not only have to say all real estate is local, all price points are different. If you're an entry-level buyer versus a luxury buyer, you have to look at that differently. So your report does a great job of doing that. But geographically, you've expanded to, it sounds like within the next year, you'll be most of California. You're adding Phoenix and Vegas. To any of our listeners who are in Florida or in the Northeast, is there any other source or is there any place they can go to find good data in their area, also stratified by price range, where they can kind of see what that entry level price point is for them and how competitive it is? Yeah, there are different companies that are out there. We do things a little bit different because I've actually was in real estate. So I talk about the market and I understand it from that point of view of working with buyers and sellers, how everybody's thinking. I have that, then I put into layman's terms and just don't put a blanket charts, data and stats. But there are, as Altos Research is one of those that that is national and they can drill down more on, on the local basis. I know KCM's trying to go that direction, but Altos Research is probably the one that I would go to. But remember, it's just your bread and butter charts and graphs and very hard to follow you have to do the interpreting of the data and bringing it to your clients and let them know what's going on. Or you can subscribe to it too, I believe, if you, even if you're not a real estate agent and just uh, looking for yourself, there is the ability to go in there and just take a look at what's going on in the marketplace. Now, I, I realize you, you haven't started putting the reports out yet for Phoenix and Las Vegas, but I'm assuming you started compiling the data, probably started looking at it a little bit. Those are two markets that are obviously in the headlines a lot. Phoenix, for a number of reasons, right, Saul? 
price appreciation at some of the highest levels in the country for that two-year stint. And Vegas at the moment saw something similar. Depending on what I read, what I pay attention to, it looks as if both of those markets are no longer the hot markets that they were and kind of following what San Francisco did, 8 to 10% decline in prices. What are you seeing, I guess, is the better question in, in that data if you're already looking at it? Yeah, the stronger of the two markets, it's Phoenix is actually stronger than Vegas. Phoenix just gets uh, punched in the arm over and over again. It's because that's where ground zero was for going in there and it, it had all the eye buyers and things like that. So they've had a lot going on. Phoenix is always in the headlines, it seems, but they're not nearly as slow as all, all the other uh, markets like San Francisco, Vegas is, but even in the last few weeks, I've seen a, a noticeable change in Phoenix where it's getting hotter too. And that's the direction that everything will go because they actually had a pretty hot year where values were going up this year for Phoenix and Vegas both. So they were continuing to go up. Even the Bay Area, San Francisco Bay Area, all the Bay Area had everybody was going up, but San Francisco specifically was actually going up. And so really it's Austin leads the headlines and so does Boise. And they, they probably were the two uh, poster ch children for going up the most in value. And so they have other problems too with builders and things like that. But you don't have that much in the Bay Area. You do have that in Vegas. You do have it to a certain extent in Phoenix, but uh, they, they've been way more resilient than people think. It's very interesting. Actually, our data we've been following for uh, about uh, 16 months now. So we have to have a whole bunch of data so that we can continuously follow it so then we can actually talk about it. So that's why I can actually talk about it today is because we've been looking at the data for quite some time. You had just released your 2024 forecast. We have that video out on YouTube for about four or five days. So definitely recommend anyone listening to this. Go check that out. Stephen, go a lot deeper than he can here. But you want to give us a, a little bit of a, a recap of what your expectations are for 2024? Yeah, it's actually, uh, it's changing with the Fed. I had to put that thing together and it was like the day after where they did their, actually, they just did their press announcements. We, it was last Thursday. And I really still strongly believe that our economy is going to slow down. It's going to slow down because of Americans are not saving like they used to save prior to pandemic. We're saving at a, at a lower rate. And the savings rate that U.S. citizens are at right now is equal to where we were in 2009, which wasn't a good savings year, by the way. And then we have this excess savings, and that's from all the stimulus. Well, the excess savings will run out next year, too. There, there's about $500 billion that's left, but it got up. It was like $2 trillion. Now it's down $500 billion. That will be gone in 2024. By the second half of 2024, it'll be all gone completely. And then we also have credit card debt is really spiking. When people say that, I actually have to look at the data myself to see the spike. I did. I've, I've actually downloaded the entire data set and it is spiking right now. So those are headwinds that are coming that are going to slow down the consumer. So when does the economy slow down? Either the spring or summer. And then we thought fall. Those were our three scenarios. But we're throwing scenario three uh, almost out the window. It's down to like 5% chance of it happening. And it's more of like a 95% chance that it happens in either the spring or the summer. And which one? I just don't know. I, I can't tell because all, all the numbers that are given by the government are not exact and they constantly are revising them. So it's as high as 50% chance for the uh, summer before when we were doing it. Now it's like looking like 45% in the spring, maybe 48%, 47%, somewhere around there, leave us 5% in the fall. And when that happens, we're going to see that when the economy uh, slows, we'll see interest rates go down to that next level and that's six to six and a half percent. And then by the end of the year, we're going to see probably a five handle in interest rates. And even if it's at 5.9, 
it's going to move a lot of markets. Uh, there'll be more homes coming on the market because sellers will finally go, oh my gosh, it's in the fives, which earlier this year when it got in fives, didn't really move any markets as, as much. It's only there for a minute. But the the this time we got all the way up to eight so that now that when we get back down, now that we're in the sixes, we're going, yes, the sixes, sounds great. But it, it, a year ago, if we said sixes, we'd have gone, man, that's crazy. It's crazy high. And then if we get into the fives, now everybody realizes five is a great number. And that's where we're really going to move the market. We're going to see a lot more demand and a lot more homes coming out of the market. So we'll see sales up as well. No matter what, we see sales going up next year. No, good stuff. So, Stephen, we appreciate you being here. Uh, I know you have uh, a busy schedule. And if you're listening to this, one reason we had Stephen on is because we, Josh and I, both value the content, value the reports, read them every two weeks when they come out. Like he said, it, it breaks it down in layman terms. It's easy to understand. It breaks data down in a way that basically anyone can comprehend it. So if you're a real estate agent, a mortgage professional, and you aren't subscribing, you should do so. There's a link in the description below. So make sure you check that out. And if you're a first time home buyer or a buyer in general, and you want this information, a lot of agents out there in Orange County have access to this. Ask your agent if they have it. If they don't, Tell them to get it. But with that said, Stephen, we appreciate you being here. Any parting words? No, just uh, enjoy the holidays and just stick with it. Homeownership is never easy. You could ask parents, grandparents, when they bought their first house, they were always sweating bullets. That's normal. Mm -hmm. You always think it's too expensive. That is normal. Got to get in when you can get in and just keep at it. Keep at it over and over again until you finally uh, are able to do it. And then you'll look back later on and go, man, Glad that I did it when I did and not waited around and waited for something to happen. So that's my only parting little bit of wisdom now that I have my white hair. <laughs> I think that's great advice to live by. On top of that, buy right, borrow smart, build wealth. Until next time, adios. Amigos. <laughs> Thanks for listening to The Educated Home Buyer. Want to connect with us or to a local expert in your area? please reach out at theeducatedhomebuyer.com slash expert. If you found any value today, please be sure to rate and review us on your favorite podcast platform. In addition, we ask that you share it with your friends and subscribe to us on YouTube and make sure to follow us on social media. Thanks again for listening.